0: I don't know. I just I sometimes we look as business owners like, I think what you do is like fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then the other day I was talking with another realtor and he was asking me so many questions about insurance. I was like, people care about this stuff? Like, I think insurance <laughs> is like so, it can be sometimes a very boring and dry topic. Yeah. And, but then when I talk about like something I uncovered or some sort of resolution to a problem, mm-hmm. he was like captivated.
1: Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. I've got my man, Kevin Caballero, here today. He's a husband and father of three, he's the owner of Caballero Insurance Agency. And they do insurance, life, and health. They also cover home, auto, and commercial. He's been in the industry for sixteen years now and is currently working on an exit from his captive book of business. Kevin, welcome to the show, brother.
0: Hey Doug, thanks for having me.
1: Awesome, man. So you've got a you got a wife, you got three boys, you got a beautiful family. Thank you. What does your schedule look like? How are you juggling being a husband, a father, and an entrepreneur?
0: I got to give, I got to give props to my, my partner. Um, Rachel does a lot in terms of, uh, making sure the boys are taken care of. We, we try to work together in terms of managing our schedules. Mm-hmm. Like for example, this morning I dropped them off uh, the oldest two at the vacation Bible school for summer. But during the summertime, she's like the, the captain of the house and I'm just kind of like, uh, try to be best supporting actor, you know, just whatever's needed, <laughs> uh, whether it's dropping off, picking up, uh, one off type things
1: at, at the grocery store or whatever, but she's,
0: uh, She's kind of who keeps it all together. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you find yourself, or do you have that ability once you walk through those doors to kind of turn it off, turn off business, turn off the day, and kind of focus on the family? It is
0: a work in progress, Doug. I will say that sometimes it, it's hard to like have a hard cutoff. Um, and my wife kind of nudges me and reminds me when I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle yeah. of an email and I'm trying to knock a few things out just so mm-hmm. my to-do list for the next day isn't isn't too too heavy. Yeah. Um but it's it's important that she kind of does nudge me because I I do have a tendency of of getting that hyper focus and you really want to knock out that that task and mm-hmm. um, but it is important very important to unplug and also the the, the comments from the kids uh, my oldest they're about to be nine nine and six and uh, and they'll say things like oh Bobby's always on his phone and I don't want them to think of the memories of childhood that. You know, have a dad that wasn't able to unplug.
1: Yeah. Know. No, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, it, it it's like everything else. Even when you get to a good space in terms of that control and that focus and that being present, like it's a daily challenge. Definitely. You know, and that's what I always try to tell people, especially being in the spaces that we're in, seeing these amazing people speak from stage all the time or, mm-hmm. you know, being part of these uh, masterminds what I always try to tell people is like, Hey, you see him on stage and you know, he's, he's, he's reached this point because of these disciplines that he or she has executed, but you've got to understand that they struggle with it daily too. Oh. You know what I mean? It's just a different level of struggle. They have different things that they put in place to avoid that, you know, like putting the phone on the nightstand or, sure. you know, whatever the case is or putting it in focus mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we all have those things in our life that, like, hey, we're doing a little bit better than some other people at, and then other ones that it's like really struggling with, you know. Definitely. And so I think uh, that's what people don't realize is, you know, our vices and our um, bad habits are a constant battle, right?
0: Well, it's like I think number one is awareness. Number two mm-hmm. is also what are we doing to mitigate against that and incorporating those habits into the into the, our daily workflow. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things on being able to unplug me has been incorporating the, the services of a virtual assistant that's been oh it's fundamental mad. uh and and being able to unplug because i know there's a second pair of eyes that has access to my inbox that has access to my social media mm-hmm. um that can that can handle some of the i would say less complex tasks um that do come into an insurance agent's world
1: yeah no that makes a ton of sense uh you know it's it's gotten to the point now where I don't even, you know, I don't even have an executive assistant anymore. Not really. I have, like, she probably does, like, five hours a week for me, you okay. know, simple stuff. But uh, my other three VAs are all operational now. They've kind of grown into their positions and they're key players now yeah. to that point, you know. And so the only things that I handle are the um, things that require my experience. Correct. You know what I mean? That require my voice on on them. So, no, that's, that, that's definitely a huge hack that I think helps us a lot in terms of disconnecting a hundred percent. Okay. I'm always curious about these positions like yours in general, you know, when someone says they're a realtor, there is so much like between, you know, somebody that's making 10 grand a year, being a realtor and, mm-hmm. and somebody that's making millions. And I would imagine it's the same thing in insurance, you know? And and sometimes it's not always because they're just starting out. It's just because they're not executing the position properly. You know what I mean? Yes. These are extremely competitive positions in my mind, you know, because the barrier of entry is often, you know, licensing, some testing and not to say it's not difficult, but, you know, it's not four years of college, right?
0: Correct. Correct. I would say, I would venture to say, since you didn't, the barrier to entry into the insurance space is relatively low.
1: Yeah. And, and, I, and I went when I was like 20 years old, I did the insurance. I got my license. I never executed on it. I was a marketing manager for a real estate company. It was like, oh, I'm going to save myself commission on my first house. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. <laughs> that was about the, the gist of it. Gotcha. But how are you in that sea of insurance agents? You know what I'm saying? Differentiating yourself right now.
0: Um, it's true because, I mean, in the in the in this in the sea of insurance agents, it's, it is somewhat a very crowded space, mm-hmm. and the only way that I can bring some distinction, a separation of value, unique value proposition, however you want to phrase it, is by trying to be a a trusted advisor, not verse, not just someone that just sells cheap insurance, because the, obviously there's there's a there's a whole mm-hmm. spectrum of offerings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what we try to do is be a one stop shop for families and businesses Mm -hmm. that we can handle multiple lines of business where the business owner or the, or the, or the decision maker of that household only has to pick up the phone and call one agency. We're trying to be positioned to be able to kind of almost be like your insurance concierge.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: You know, whether it be employee benefits for a business, um, all the way down to a, a simple renter's policy for, a college age daughter, you know, yeah. the, anything in between them uh, is being able to be addressed and handled
1: at our agency's level. No, I, I love that because it creates more quality per client in my mind. Uh, you know, I've always appreciated, you know, the, the insurance agent that I had before um, for 10 plus years, you know, and it, it wasn't even that, he or she was that great. It was just like I had one person to go to for all my insurance stuff. Mm-hmm. I would email them. They would knock it out. They had my card on file, all Perfect. that good stuff. And it just made it so much easier. And you that's know, what it,
0: we try to do. They just yeah. made it so much easier. Mm-hmm. Now, Doug, now, if if all of a sudden you're faced with a rate increase, mm-hmm. that rate increase would need to be substantial for you to even consider yeah. breaking away from that particular service provider because of the ease that they introduce into your life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what we try to do with, uh, with our clients as our service is the way that we can kind of make the client feel like, Oh, this, they just, Kevin and Jessica just make my life easier.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think you targeting business owners is the right, you know, right play because we do, we want things to be easy. You know, mm-hmm. our business is hard enough, oh, exactly. you know, getting leads, getting customers, yes. converting them, servicing them. It's hard enough and you as a business owner yourself can appreciate that so Definitely. it's massive when you can just send an email or shoot a text and it's taken care of exactly. you know you don't have to reapply you don't have to mm-hmm. and, and that's the other thing too you're 100 percent right like if my insurance costs increase five percent year over year across the board you know what i mean i'm not going to like change my insurance agent right. over you're that. you're going to shrug it off exactly. yeah it's going to be like hey it's just Cost of living increase, you know inflation, all that good stuff, you know correct and so okay, how did that I guess play evolve into you know you know you started out as an individual agent obviously, and then you yeah. evolved into an agency owner and correct. now you're looking at a possible exit. you mm-hmm. walk us through that evolution and kind of some of the key things that had to happen for you to progress
0: sure um well as you mentioned i started in uh, just selling life insurance and health insurance many years ago and um my my careers took me where i was breaking apart from a fortune 100 life insurance company where i was working hand in hand with other agency owners like myself that they they sell home and auto insurance but they tend to have an achilles heel And being able to have the same level of conversations that they have Mm -hmm. with the home and auto client um, different than having a life and financial discussion so that was the service that i provided for multiple agency owners for another big property and casualty company and so that was my avenue through where i kind of saw the other end of the business model of oh I'm, I'm, I'm facilitating this particular service. Right? right. But then I thought, man, these guys have a great quality of life. They've got an actual storefront. They've got staff. They can mm-hmm. unplug. I see them. I you know I, I follow them on, on Facebook, Instagram. Why uh, is that? Is it just better margins on that side of the business? There is a way that some of the re- repetitive tasks can be uh, assigned and delegated gotcha. to uh to staff people that they, they can handle the service demands of a, of an auto and home policy, but that once makes you have sense, enough, you need more quality, yeah. exactly, then essentially, what I want you to think about it, just because all the other business owners that are watching this, just just easy math, right? For every for every million dollars of premium that an agency uh, manages,
1: mm-hmm.
0: equated to about a hundred hundred thousand dollars of revenue, right, roughly. Mm-hmm. So think about a business owner that's been doing this for many years and they've amassed maybe 4 million dollars of premium just to kind of throw a number out. Mm-hmm. Now they've got a business that's generating roughly $400,000 a year. With that $400,000 a year, depending on how that revenue is allocated in your business, the majority of it being payroll, mm-hmm. then you've got lease, marketing. The margins are pretty pretty good on on a business that has that those
1: type of right. uh, economics. No, that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. So, basically, you started utilizing the other side of the business, which was home and auto, and that's kind of how you evolved into having to book a book of business that was sellable in a sense because it didn't require Correct. Your expertise.
0: Correct. It was a, it was a unique opportunity that with my my current company, where um, it allowed me the opportunity to step in and take over a a, a book of business, mm-hmm. and that provided me the the cash flow to be able to. To have the retail storefront, to have uh, have staff, allocate money for marketing dollars, softwares, expense you know licenses and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's going from a solo,preneur type of situation yeah. into an owner operator type of uh, undertaking. Yeah,
1: we talked about I want to say like six months ago when I invited you on the podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you were you were talking about now that I've hired the VA and I have the in in house person like you guys were doing pretty well now that you were able to expand some of those those tasks
0: oh yeah it's that it's, that's just freaked me up so much because like now I, I went from having a conversation with another another member of our of our mastermind apex mm-hmm. where i was like you should try it even on a part-time but part-time basis um think of your repetitive tasks that you have and start building like a, a video library of what what it would take to f- you know for someone else to come in that doesn't yeah. know what you know and you break it down like standard operating procedures, but in a video format. So I started doing that and incorporating that into the virtual system that I hired. And now I can't go back, Doug. Like I, if if it does, if things don't work out with that current, <laughs> with current VA, I need Spoiled to have something else.
1: Yeah, no, you know? it makes a ton of sense. Definitely. Okay, so let's talk about your exit a little bit. Okay. Does that mean that you're exiting insurance altogether?
0: No, no, great question.
1: And to yeah. distinguish... It's, uh, it's going from a, from
0: a captive company. And captive, oh. just as the audience, means think of like State Farm, Allstate, Farmers. Mm-hmm. Those are captive companies where the agent only has, to be, only has access to be able to sell those particular companies. Mm-hmm. Um, going from the captive model um, to the independent model is, is the current step that we're in. So with, with Farmers, the current company I, I represent, the only way to exit there is by selling my book of business to another farmer's agent that wants to uh, grow a Got little it. bit faster than by organic growth. They want to just acquire another book of business um, or someone that wants to come in to become a farmer's agent, which mm-hmm. is the case with me.
1: So, oh, okay. I see. So what is this going to allow you to do now? How does uh, this, uh, I the guess... Idea-
0: the idea behind it is I'll be able to have a, a portfolio of multiple carriers that I'll be mm-hmm. able to offer my clients. Okay. So going back to the, the value proposition we discussed earlier in terms of being able to be that kind of concierge level service. Yeah. Where sometimes, unfortunately, I've been I've been stuck between a rock and a hard place. Where, say, Doug, uh, say we have like substantial rate increases, and it's mm-hmm. really got you looking at the finances, and you love. Love our agency, love our service, but it's outside of what yeah. maybe other competitors are offering you. Now I'll be able to hopefully position where I have uh, in that portfolio of companies alternative options for you. Mm-hmm. So you're still doing business with me, and it'll just I'll just be changing the company that
1: is that we write the insurance on. Okay. All right. I want to shift gears here a sure. little bit into you know, the, the mastermind world that we're in, I think there's so many pitfalls in it, you know, and I was a, I was a, I'm not gonna say a victim. Like I fell for a lot of it, you know what I mean? In the sense yeah. that when I joined, I wanted to do all the things, right. Yeah. And I spent way too much money in my first year on all the events, the education, the mastermind itself. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, kind of how have you navigated that and how do you, how do you, Battle that FOMO. You know what I mean. That happens all the time. Like once we connect, it's like, oh dang, Kevin's at at that you know quarterly event, or he's at this other mastermind. It's like, hey, maybe I should be a part of that. You know the, yeah. the problem is there's such, there's such a strong social aspect to these things Huge. that it's very hard to even though you know like what they're gonna talk about, you kind of you have a good knowledge you know That's base true. of what they typically talk about at these events, you still want to go just to hang out with your friends. <laughs>
0: it's true i mean sometimes even in the last event we uh that was held um although some of the speakers were fantastic um the biggest i think takeaways in terms of experience like wow wow what was your like when i was explaining to my wife why i take two or three days away from the family to go to this mastermind event she's like wow it sounds like to me like you're getting a lot more positive experiences from the one-on-ones with Mm -hmm. the other apex members like yeah over a beer, over a cigar, or what yeah. have you, or just sharing a meal, breaking bread, talking mm-hmm. about your struggles, w- obstacles, what you're overcoming, your career evolution, and in that, I feel like it. For me, it fuels, it fuels my, uh, it refills my
1: tank. Rather, when I yeah. come back, I get so much, I get recharged with so many ideas. Sometimes that's all it is. Sometimes yeah. you just need to be around your people, and by your people, I mean other business owners. Exactly or other, you know, advocate. You know, uh, what's the word? Ambitious. Oh yeah, <laughs> ambitious men and women. You know, it's
0: true. Like the Apex has been able to curate essentially this. This, it's hard to kind of really distinguish what makes mm-hmm. the Apex crew what we are. But I mean, it. You 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 just did it. I mean, ambitious, mm-hmm. hungry. Um, business owners seeking the higher, the better version, most elite version of themselves, Mm -hmm. big on personal development, readers, um, focusing on fitness, the
1: family. Like, I think it's, it's great. I love that. Do you have any plans yourself? Because it, it happens. I'm in that space now where, you know, I'm constantly putting content out that has to do with family, entrepreneurship, sales teams, and, um, you know, I don't consider myself an influencer because I have a very deep following, I would say to where Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not large, you know, it's more, they are people I've met in person, you know what I'm saying? And, um, do you have any, any plans to like write the book or to pursue that side of things? You want to, you want to be a, a figure for entrepreneurs someday?
0: I think sometimes going back to kind of like the evolution of even being in that mastermind, first you start off where there's a lot of, um, what's it called? Um, where you don't feel worthy. Oh, I know it's got yeah, a yeah, imposter part. syndrome. Imposter yeah. syndrome. Thank you, Doug. Yeah. I've, I've dealt a lot with that. And sometimes when I feel, because I still am an ambitious guy and I want to mm-hmm. achieve things um, and uh, knock out goals, and writing a book is, is definitely on my, one of those things too. Or I mm-hmm. like, like you did, you know, having a, having a podcast and interviewing guests.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think it's sometimes I fight like a mental battle of uh, you're not worthy or, or you, what, what unique value could you bring? You know, yeah. everything that's that needs to be said has already been said by someone better than you or more qualified um. than you. <laughs> so I have a, I have a bad, um, maybe like an inner Mm self-talk. And that's one of those things that I'm kind of dealing with. Even sometimes when I'm writing content on what to talk about, I'll write. And then I'll just, sometimes I'll delete it or I'll uh, second guess myself. So it's not, it's not perfect. um, And it's something that I'm, I'm working through, but um, it's that fighting that, that ambitious person inside of me also with the, the crap that
1: goes in there. Absolutely. Now, I, especially when I first started out and, you know, I started in executives, you know, mm. and uh, I did not belong there in terms of net worth you know? <laughs> at all, at all. And so um well, kudos to you for putting yourself in a room. Yeah. You know, in, you know, in don't get me wrong. I've grown a ton in the last couple of years and it's been, it's been something else. Right. But uh now I, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. And so like you go from that room and then you go to your Facebook page and you're like, hey, I'm gonna post something. It's like, dude, what we were just talking about in that room, what these guys are talking about, like that's what these people need to hear, not what I have to say. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and so what happened though is I committed to two times a day, right? And the podcast helps with that, yeah. right? So we do three episodes a week. So that's three posts a day right there. Perfect. Or three posts a week, I'm sorry. Um and then now that I'm consulting, I have clips from the consulting that helps too. But I, I do. I have to write five to seven long form posts a week. And now it's at the point where I just like write it, post it, and forget it. Mm-hmm. I come back a couple hours later, and sometimes it's fifty likes and ten comments, and sometimes it's like four likes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah,
0: I and just... one of them, and the four likes is, is
1: your mom and your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's more. It's more my wife and like. Oh, my, my VA team. Cause yeah. they all have to go in there. It's part of the job.
0: <laughs> so they're fulfilling their job
1: requirement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and um, there's
0: times where I just, I, I pour my heart out into a post and it just uh-huh. gets no engagement. And then I'll have like a something cute. My, my son did. And it's like,
1: yeah. So no, it's, it's like,
0: but it, but it's, I, I, I mean, I also commend you for having the, the consistency and mm-hmm. the daily goal. That's it's a non-negotiable
1: for you. Yeah
0: um so that's that's commendable
1: no i appreciate it um but but that's the thing too it's like people don't get on social media to learn mm-hmm. let's be honest like we do me and you do sure because we're conditioned yes. you know from being in the rooms that we're in right mm-hmm. but most people don't get on social media to learn they get on social media to be entertained entertained right exactly. and you know a family picture is entertainment hey kevin's doing well he's got mm-hmm. beautiful kids beautiful wife like right yeah and and then move on to the next one right um and and we do the way that we're taught to write these things yeah it's not appealing to the average person you know and so but what you're doing by doing that is not just bringing attention to yourself as an entrepreneur and as uh an insurance agency owner Mm -hmm. you're filtering your social media you know So the people that don't appreciate it won't come back. You right. know what I'm saying? And just algorithm based. It's not exactly. that they're physically saying, "Hey, I don't want to see Kevin stuff anymore." It's just the algorithm's not going to show it to them. Right. You know. And so I did. I went through a period of like, I couldn't get over ten likes. Really. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it went it, it went down uh-huh. because now uh-huh. my posts weren't all, you know, the, the basic stuff, which is I'm at this place. Let me take mm-hmm. a picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, family you know, sports, it wasn't all that anymore, you know? So I I went through this filtering process for a while Mm -hmm. and then it got better and better over time, but it was, it's been two years now. It's been like, you know, literally like 1% every month, I would say, you know, and it, it, it had, and that's the thing too, is my subject is very niche. Yes. You know, so I I can imagine.
0: It's not going to have the same level of engagement,
1: right? Yeah. You know, because, you know, you're probably not building a sales team anytime soon. You know what I mean? Maybe once you get your uh, brokerage going. Sure. But um, but it's like it it creates a, a, a micro um, interest, I should say. Yes. The thing with the podcast, you know, same same situation. But the people that do follow me are interested in that specific thing. Yeah. You know, and that do see me on there and come up and everything. And then when you mix in the entertainment piece, which is the family, sure. the dad lessons. Oh, entrepreneur yeah. lessons, you know what I'm saying? Then the engagement pops back up and everything, Definitely. and so um, you're not boring them to death with your niche, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because yeah, I mean, no, no one wants. I mean, I don't know. I just, I sometimes we look as business owners like I think what you do is like fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then the other day I was talking with another realtor and he was asking me so many questions about insurance. I was like, people care about this stuff. Like I think insurance <laughs> is like so it can be sometimes a very boring and dry topic. Yeah. And, but then when I talk about like something I uncovered or some sort of resolution to a problem, mm-hmm. he was like captivated. And I was like, I go, how come you don't post stuff about, you know, your realtor stuff? Like, you know, yeah. I was like, tell me about the last house you sold. I was $400,000. We went on, it on this listing. It's like, was there a lot of challenges? He's like, Oh yeah, this and this and that. And I was like, that's fascinating. How come you don't talk about it? Like, I don't know. I just think it's boring, but it's like, we so much like we disqualify ourselves. So we, in that exchange that happened at the last event, we kind of hyped each other up. Like, let's, let's be more committed to sharing, sharing our struggles, talking about our client stories. And um, I think it'll just serve us better.
1: And it happens all the time. Like I'll post at the wrong time or Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll do a video on Facebook like in my per, it, it won't be a real, mm-hmm. whatever reason Facebook doesn't like that. Yeah. And um, I'll get like four likes and one comment, right? Yeah. But then I'll get someone direct messaging me, like, hey, um, this is exactly what I need. And Perfect. it's like all, all of a sudden, it's like, well, who cares how many people comment and like it? I just got a lead. Exactly. So one lead per post, I'm in heaven you know yeah, what i'm saying like that's absolutely that's the game right that, that's <laughs> you know? it. and so um i think that perspective helps on that Definitely. all right brother last two questions okay um what does legacy mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind
0: what, what does legacy mean to me i think it's the way my kids will talk about me after i'm gone I think that, I mean, the next, your impact on the next generation, how will my kids and my kids' generation, how will I be remembered? I think that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Um, And also that could also mean, you know, my nephews, that same generational, like, what did I do while I was on this planet to influence whatever I've left behind?
1: So let's be specific about it. You know, what legacy do you want to leave behind? In other words, what do you want your kids to say about you 20 years after you're gone? I, th-
0: I, think, it, I think on an individual level, it will be the lessons that I've taught them. Okay. Because um, I'm very, when I am mindful and I am kind of like trying to be as the best version of dad that I can be, I really try to pour into them and I find opportunities to be able to kind of coach them or teach them something. Um, those are the things I want to leave them with impart that kind of wisdom, but the wisdom that's, that's applied in a situation where they're going through a struggle. That's Mm -hmm. where I look at as an opportunity to, to inject some knowledge and see that, um, it's, it's, it's tangible. I'm not just, I'm not just on a pulpit preaching to them, right? That that was just going to go over their head. It's very situational that I, that I have that I pick my moments well. Um, and I'm, I try to make sure that there's good eye contact. I don't, and I don't do it when it's in a group setting. It's, it's more of a one-on-one. Right. And I, I do it more now with my oldest. Cause I think he's more, I guess, receptive to cognizant. Exactly. Cause the five-year-old is still in his own world. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about the two-year-old yet. Though that'll come Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that's like, if, if I were taken from this earth mm-hmm. right now, um, hopefully, Geo, my oldest, will will think back of all the stuff that I that I've taught him on on uh, overcoming challenges, um, or even in the opportunities where he's played sports and he feels down about his performance, or yeah. um, little things like that. That's what I that's what I hope to kind of leave behind.
1: I love that, and I think it's so important because it's like it's hyper focused, and you can't lose when yeah. you're doing that. You know what I'm saying, and I think you know, and I'm just kind of coming to this realization on this episode after interviewing you know hundred and ninety guests now, <laughs> like which is awesome, yeah. but That's I think of rap, if you, That's awesome. yeah, yeah, I think if you have that focus in your kids and, mm-hmm. and the lessons that you leave them with and and you just focus on that, if by doing that and and by being the example for them, you execute and even legacy that impacts more right Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say bigger because I don't think there's any bigger legacy than what you leave on your kids but a legacy that's going to impact more people as a side effect Uh I think if you if you focus on them first you can't lose you know versus a lot of people do they focus on the legacy they're going to leave others first and the kids is a side effect yeah you know and that's where you can lose big time definitely what does it matter if you're Steve Jobs if your daughter doesn't love you That's exactly example. And it, it, it's it's crazy how we're built that way too yeah. you know so i love it brother thank you so much for coming on the show uh, i appreciate all the uh lessons you've given us here today as well as an, uh, a look inside the insurance space and i think you're going to crush it I now appreciate that you're able that. to offer multiple products
0: i'm really excited it's, it's an exciting scary time mm-hmm. um, especially in the insurance world of what's what's all happening right now there's a lot of insurance carriers that are like exiting the space. Mm-hmm. So it's not the best time to go independent, but I'm not letting that slow me down.
1: No, and we're we're, we're trained to do exactly that. Go the other way, 100%. Yeah. All right, Kevin, let's get building. Thanks, Doug. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.